Right. I mean, okay, so we've already identified, right? I mean, going back to, you know, Bernays and the Creole Commission, uh, you know, propaganda, you know, being waged, you know, at the at the American people. Um, and, you know, then you've got stuff like Operation Mockingbird, right, which I believe was, let's say, around the 70s or something like that. Okay, so I mean, there's plenty of examples of, right, you know, psyops being uh, perpetrated against the American people, you know, prior to Aquino's mind war or the IIA program. Uh, what the IIA program does, as you sort of uh, suggest, is what it does do is uh, it, it's basically making it about as ex as explicit and overt as possible, right? Whereas something like Operation Mockingbird, right, wasn't really like publicly known, you know, while it was operational, right? It, at least not right, you know, in the early phases. Anyways, okay. Um, and so this sort of is, like you say, a little more pernicious because it's like, we don't even have to hide it. You know, like we'll, we'll basically tell you we're going to do it to you, you know. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode uh, with anyone you can. Um, my name is Andy Lipson. I'm a teacher in Oakland and socialist. We're joined, as always, by Kenny Zapeta and um, Jessica and, Ed and Eduardo will not be here. They're going to different parts of the country and Jessica is doing something and Eduardo, I think, is doing something in Mexico. Um, so they'll be back next week. Um, but we are joined by somebody who we haven't seen in a while, uh, Jake Kleizek. Uh, he's been a regular here on What's Left. Um, and he's written a book you can see behind him there on his, behind his right hand shoulder, A School World Order, which really talked, it's the way I got to meet Jake and talked about the technocratic takeover of education and how that was being used to launch a technocratic takeover of the world at the globe. Um, and he's a regular contributor to Unlimited Hangout um, and other things as well. Um, so Jake, welcome back. Thanks for having me as always. So today's episode is something that actually is something me and Jake have talked about a number of times in different ways. Um, we're kind of, I, what I hope to talk about is information, um, is, is what information, what how do we get information? We know there are so many lies told to us. Um, and how do we figure out the truth? And then what often, I, I was talking to Jake about this, and I mentioned this to Kenny, I feel like we often get caught up in, once we find that person who can tell us the truth, I feel like we do often get hung up on, you know, let's find that one person or find that one resource that, that's going to make things truthful for us. And it's understandable because we are in a world of psyops, controlled opposition, limited hangouts, which are terms we want to talk a little bit more in depth about. In all honesty, Jake, this is something that I feel like I've learned more about from you. So this is why I'm glad we're talking with you about it. Um, and um, and ultimately, we, we hope to discuss how do we make our way in a world full of lies? Um, how do we figure out what do we believe? Um, and how do we figure out who to trust? Um, so I think I think that's the that's the discussion we're going to have today. Um, and maybe I'll just pitch it over to a, uh, to Kenny and see if he wants to add anything or put a spin on that right now before we get started. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is an important topic because, um, you know, you do have to pause and, and see, you know, where you stand and why and, and, and where you're gathering your information. Um, and, you know, personally, I, uh, I tend to, what's left is a good spot for me, you know, to discuss things and to uh, expose some of my ideas and see if, you know, they make sense. You know, they make sense at explaining the world. Uh, and it is absolutely difficult to sort through all the stuff that we're being bombarded uh, with. Obviously, through the last two years, we've learned a lot, you know, uh, about uh, coverage, media information, how it's manipulated. Uh, and often, you know, like even when you have this dichotomy of sides, like I, I learned that lesson when I was involved in Nicaragua. That's how I got involved with this show, that there were two sides of the story. <laughs> but they were both exaggerating, you know, in, in their own ways for their own purposes. And, you know, and so uh, truth it was hard to find, you know, and that was a hard lesson that I had to learn back then. And I had to be honest. And like, again, what's left is a space for me to be honest. So that, that's one way that I think, but, um, but obviously there are big forces at play, you know, that, that we're battling constantly, in, you know, when you're doing your own, uh, investigation, research for your own, you know, being. And so I am curious as to, you know, the process, uh, you know, the ways that you guys deal with this uh, and, and speaking honestly and candidly about it, um, because I think that's important for people to know. So, uh, Jake, maybe you can kick this off for us, because I think all of us, me, Kenny, and you all agree that the mainstream media is full of lies. We may disagree about what, where the lie is and what the truth behind it is, but we all know we're being lied to. Um, but there are these things that make it sometimes difficult to then find out, okay, what's the truth behind it? And that gets us into these things of like controlled opposition, limited hangouts, and remind me of the other one. PSYOPs. Uh, PSYOPs, right. Um, Maybe Jake would be good to start with defining some of these things that are actually, they really exist. We believe they really exist um, and define what they are and maybe give some examples of them. Yeah. And which one do you want to start with, Jake? I think the easiest way is just to start with what is a psychological operation? And then we can describe an, a, a limited hangout and a controlled opposition as a type of psyop. Okay. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Go ahead. Me? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, because I mean, all honesty, Jake, you're I'm not saying I never heard of these things before, but it's in my conversations with you where I became the most. It became clearest that these were pieces of dealing with the information warfare or finding information. And I became convinced that there was real that this wasn't just a narrow sliver of something you're dealing with, but it was penetrate. These things were penetrating all layers of the information architecture that we are faced with. And so. That's why I want you to start talking about it, because in many ways, you're the one who introduced many of these terms in depth to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so we have a few historical precedents. So let's, before I get into defining uh, what is a psychological operation, um, you know, I think, I think anybody probably watching the show is probably familiar with COINTELPRO in this, in this, you know, the counterculture era of the 60s and the 70s, right? Counterintelligence program. Uh, the Black Panther Party was infiltrated uh, on record, right? A lot of that, those documents have been declassified. Um, and then, you know, related to 
COINTELPRO is another term that probably a lot of your audience is familiar with, and that's what's known as an agent provocateur, right? And so an agent provocateur is usually someone that's going to, through something like COINTELPRO, infiltrate an organization and then radicalize that organization or uh, commit radicalized acts in association with that organization in order to get that organization demonized or painted in a in you know an unfavorable uh, way that that gets you know the public to uh, disassociate and often you know in, in the case of you know like the Black Panther Party you know eventually people uh, were wrong, wrongfully jailed as a result of some of this stuff right and you know the Black Panther Party talked a lot about how you know we really wanted to emphasize our breakfast programs and our healthcare programs and our community organizing but what the media always wanted to hype was you know we've got guns basically right and then you know and then in many ways that was other other you know stuff like weather underground and things uh the days of rage right you know basically these riots that basically were associated with you know all the, those those countercultural movements and then therefore, you know, sort of it gets demonized and then provides the impetus to, you know, raid and arrest and et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So you had your finger up like you wanted to. No, that's just the point I wanted to raise also is that these be became the, not just the pretext for having the public think poorly of these things, but it became the pretext for state intervention on these organizations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, and so the term, I, so. Here's a series of books here, all right? So we've got, it's it's the three volumes. This is Mind War. Oh, that's the third one. This is Mind Star. And this is Find Far. Okay, <laughs> this is, these are all written by uh, Michael Aquino, okay? And if people don't know who that guy is, uh, he's an infamous figure in, you know, uh, what's pejoratively called you know, conspiracy lore or research okay uh he he um he comes up with this idea of mind war um this book is published let's see so the, so the white paper that becomes this series of books was written in the 1980s was commissioned uh, to be written in the 1970s and it was written by this guy here, okay, and there's his credentials, okay, Michael Aquino, Lieutenant Colonel Psychological Operations, okay. Um, he also uh, was an acolyte of uh, Anton LaVey, okay, who founded the Church of Satan, and uh, Michael Aquino later broke away from LaVey, and he formed his own satanic temple known as the Temple of Set. Okay, and these are just we might they might become relevant. Like those details might become relevant as we discuss more. Okay, and um, so let me just read you the the premise of this book. Okay, so it says uh, on the premise that war is endemic to the human disposition, mind war proposes to supersede its killing and destruction with a more civilized focus on the mind, the persons and property of humans are replaced as targets by the divisive situations and perceptions. These are then analyzed and adjusted to a practical consensus. Mind war extends to socio-political applications generally, identifying and refining previously vague or unknown mental processes into a new science of quote-unquote thought architecture. 
So for him, he says, this new science of thought architecture is a standard of rationality and precision in human affairs in which the experience and exercise of thought are finally fully mature. Okay, and so basically, this whole book is about how to replace physical warfare with mind war, okay? And mind war is his term for psychological operation. And Jake, this guy, Mike Aquino, is he a person who's exposing psyops or is he a person who's been in the business of doing psyops and therefore, and then, and, and then later it was like, I want to write about it. Yeah, no, no, no. This is like, this is like a how to manual. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, so he, that he, his, his job in the military was to perform psychological operations. And the way he describes it is that psychological operations were always secondary after physical war, right? They were basically ways to enhance your physical warfare. And the argument in this book and, and the, the whole the three volume series is that you should that it needs to be inverted. That physical war should only should basically be a last resort when mind war or psychological operations fail. Maybe it will get answered, but I'm also curious as to how, like, where the field of war is. You know, if it, it is contained to a, like a sphere or like it's just unleashed on everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here, let me let me explain. I'll, I'll give you a quote from it. He says this is under uh, the first chapter is. The subtitle is what is it? Mind war, what is it? Okay. It says mind mind war controls human external action thoughts by identifying and adjusting the sensory impressions that the mind uses to assemble, modify, and reinforce them. Human sensory-based thoughts form the basis for their constructed outward personalities and in groups their mores, biases, beliefs, traditions, habits, and taboos. Thus, through a graduated process, mind war controls groups of humans. As, as the size of the group increases, common features of impressions, attitudes, and expressions emerge and can be identified and analyzed statistically, making possible social forecasting and the control of that future by aggregate, not individual manipulation. Okay, so basically think like social media here. Now, te technically, okay, this... This was drafted in terms of how to engage foreign enemies for in uh, for United States military action. So, in other words, right, um, you're you're battling a country. You got boots on the ground. Okay, you're in the middle middle of physical warfare, but you also want to try to get basically the other side to surrender. And so, the way that you would do that is basically playing on internal divisions in the country. Right. And so, you know, um, if you're fighting a, a nation and, you know, the leader is a dictator in one way or another. Right. And you build on you, the, the oppressive nature of the regime and you sort of stoke people who are basically oppressed into basically coming to your side. Right. Um, and so that's where you basically, you know, that quote here about. Um, that sensory-based thoughts form the basis of people's outward constructed personalities and in groups, their mores, biases, beliefs, traditions, habits, and taboos. These are basically assumptions that people bring to the table about whatever values they associate with their culture or their society, 
Okay. And so in other words, he, he, in this book, he contrasts it with, there's a section on MK ultra in here. And he basically contrasts it with those types of what we might know as mind control, like brainwashing, where somehow you're going to interfere with the thinking process and, and basically make like a Manchurian candidate or something. He basically says that doesn't work. Okay. Like it basically does more damage to the mind and ultimately what you want, as I sort of read in the, in the uh the preface on the back side is you want the willing and conscious participation of the enemy to come to your side okay and, and in doing so therefore you don't want to scramble the brain so to speak what you want to do is you want to play on the sort of a priori assumptions or values that they associate with whether it be their, their ethnicity, their class, their religion, you know, po political ideology, and based on the things, those, the values that they uh, that they hold, uh, before they before they start thinking about a particular issue or a particular conflict, that that's how you get groups uh, to to participate. Okay, in other words, right? Like, um, just to use an example. Okay, you know, most people, this is sort of the way on one end of the paradigm in this current polarized country, one end of the paradigm thinks sort of like this. Okay, if you're, if you're right wing, you're a Trumper. If you're a Trumper, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're a white supremacist. If you're a white supremacist, right? And it's, so you associate, these are all the taboos or the mores or the values that are assumed by anybody who in one way or another affiliates with or identifies with something right of center. Okay. And then there's emotional reactions attached to those categories. Right. And so it works sort of both ways, right? Like if you're on, yeah, go ahead. I also think of even the COVID narrative, right? The Chinese, the, the bat, you know, market, you know, like, you know, unsanitary conditions and, you know, that's, that's how it was initially sold, right? Like the, that idea that uh, this virus came from a bat and like from a dirty market, right? And of course it was the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's you know, one of the silos, right? I mean, so it's like, okay, um, you know, there's the whole, it's all China narrative, right? China is the, you know, is, it's China trying to take us over. Well, there's some truth to that, except that, we're also funding it, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, and this is sort of an example, right? So like, you know, if you're, you know, right of center, right? If you, if you turn on like Fox News or Newsmax, it's all about China, 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 they're coming to get us. If you turn on CNN or, you know, MSNBC, and it's Russia, 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 right? And there's, and I'm sure, right, there's, there's some truth on both ends of it. I'm sure that there is foreign meddling in our elections from, from every country that can, that, that has any ability to do so. Right. And so basically what that does though, is, you know, it, it polarizes where not only do you point the finger at the other side, you have an emotional reaction when the fingers pointed at you. Right. So you sort of dig your, dig your heels in. Right. And, um, so with like the whole woke paradigm, right? Like, so you have, you know, black and brown people, you know, uh, talking about police brutality, and then you get, you know, critical race theory in the schools. And then 
the reaction from conservatives, you have this sort of sub siloed bubble of this basically white identity politics, right? So it's like, you know, in other words, for those people on the right to acknowledge that yes, there is racism is somehow to is against it's that means they're against white people, right? And vice versa. Right. If if a white person says something like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't feel like I, I should have white guilt. My parents came here, you know, way after, you know, slavery was over, um, you know, that, that that's that the other side reacts. Well, that's that's just, uh, you know, white fragility and, and uh, you know, uh, suppressed white supremacy. OK. And so, again, what this is doing is it's building on the mores and the taboos and the values that are a priori associated with any of the information that comes from either side, right? Before you analyze, uh, you know, is there racism, right? Uh, or before you analyze, you know, is there anything, you know, worth salvaging in terms of our nation's history or the constitution, right? You, you already have all these other identity categories that you have emotional attachments to that you, uh, that you basically bring to the table and, and, and it's and it's entirely reactionary at that point. Now, another part of that quote that's relevant for what we're talking about here is where it says, as the size of the group increases, common features of impressions, attitudes, and expressions emerge and can be identified and analyzed statistically, making possible social forecasting and the control of that future by aggregate, not individual manipulation. Now think social media. Right. In other words, to the extent that any of these assumptions existed prior to the world of social media and, you know, the, the, the different silos that have sort of developed around, you know, alt-right or alt-left or whatever you want to call all these new categories of what it means to, you know, have political discourse in this country. Uh, the emergence of social media has enabled big tech and intelligence agencies to refine their understanding of those mores, taboos, a priori values. Uh, and in other words, right, by seeing how people who identify as right wing use particular slogans, right, and vice versa, people on the left who use particular slogans, we, you, now you can identify basically keywords you can take those keywords, you can sort of spin them semantically and then galvanize them around sort of a leader, okay? And then what happens is, right, more people who identify as right of center who maybe didn't uh, identify with that particular keyword or that slogan, because there's this sort of this, uh, this build up or this sort of, you know, uh, this, this massive uh, uh, movement, for lack of a better term, that sort of galvanizes around a Trump or QAnon or any number of alt-media figures that, again, people who didn't associate with particular slogans will gravitate to those slogans. And now, right, instead of having to deal with individual thoughts, right, if you can basically create a polarized dialectic between two groups or more. Okay. And, you know, and it, you, you might be able to sort of draw a line down the middle of the country in many ways, but even within those two sides are, you could, you could chop it up, but basically, right. You can get, 
You can get individuals to participate in these group movements, and you can, and by controlling just, you know, a handful of groups, right? You can sort of control the narrative, and what 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 otherwise might be resistance, civil disobedience, or some other opposition to wherever the country is going at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, well, what comes up for me in that when you talk about individual versus aggregate. I want to talk about it in relationship to something I'm I'm somewhat familiar with in science in terms of temperature and, and molecular motion. Um, because what's meaningful for me is that when you, so bear with me here as I talk about individual things like molecules moving around inside of a container, which they can move at different speeds. And generally, if you add, well, when you add energy to some container, we would imagine that the molecules inside will get faster and faster. They'll have different speeds. Their, their average speed will increase as you add energy. But those that describing the, 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 the speed of the molecule, oh, it's going faster, it's going slower, it's going medium speed, that's an individual description of something happening inside that container. When you want to discuss, discuss what's going on inside that container as an aggregate, you're not talking about molecular motion. You're talking about temperature. It's a completely different thing now. And so what I hear in this, in terms of the way he's approaching this, is to say, this is not a useful method by just looking at speeds, if you will, of or thoughts of individuals. You have to understand this phenomena and approach it from an aggregate, which means you're actually sometimes measuring different things than you would if you're looking at the individual compared to when you're looking at an entire group. That's something that also comes up for me as I, as when I heard that, because that notion of aggregate phenomena versus individual phenomena is, is also a part of science in terms of what are you really studying and what is useful for move it for moving it and for pre making predictions about what what things are going to happen speed of molecules is is not the same thing as the temperature of a, of a of a solution or a container but they're connected but they're different one's an individual phenomena one's an aggregate phenomena and so it, that's interesting to me that that's a term that he would use um i think it's bigger than just saying well we're just trying to move groups I think it actually, to me, it express, expresses the fact that we're not actually going to be measuring or doing the same sorts of things when we're talking about an, an aggregate issue versus when we're talking about something that's individualized. You no, know, it makes sense as to what is being described and uh, as to the moment that we live in. You know, like, like obviously there is like um, vast amounts of data from individuals being gathered and like, Focusing on one individual requires, you know, a lot of energy and resources, and it's actually more efficient to focus it on a group, you know, and 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 try to guide those groups in in, in a way. And like, I have, I personally have thought that we've been at that point, you know, but it, this gives me more of a frame to kind of, you know, think about what's happening. Yeah, I mean, and you know, in in, in a lot of ways, I mean, I think also what he's getting at is you can. In many ways, you can actually effectively control individuals based on con your ability to control, again, the mores, habits, and taboos of the group process, right? I mean, and so, um, you know, I mean, just, just think of something like, okay, like if, if a corporation, you know, is willing to use... Uh, you know, all the necessary pronouns and have a Black Lives Matter flag, right? I mean, you know, people that are left-leaning, right, are going to are going to basically 
be favorable to that company, right? In ways that they otherwise, you know, would, would have an instinctive sort of, uh, you know, aversion to just the whole corporate paradigm, right? Um, and, you know, the, the same thing goes for, you know, the whole Trump thing and the MAGA thing, right? I mean, like, if you want to say, you know, if, as long as he uses the rhetoric of nationalism and make America great again, Right. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, who the, the fact that he's got someone like Wilbur Ross, who's Bilderberger as the secretary of commerce. Right. Like they'll they'll make it. They'll because he used those keywords that that. Well, that's that's what my group identifies with. Right. They'll you will sort of selectively choose what you want to pay attention to. And then you will go along with whatever is at the apex of that of that pyramid. Right. You know, in other words. So so the the the. The figureheads are basically the, the temperature variable, right? And if the, where the figurehead goes, if, if, you know, where that temperature goes, all the little nodes, all the little individuals, right? Whether whether knowingly or unknowingly, right? They'll they'll largely follow it more or less. Yeah. I I was going to take it in a slightly different direction. So, Ken, if you have a question on this, no, just again for me, it makes me think about like the vaccine mandates and the, the you know the impetus behind the vaccines and how like again keywords and like you know do it for grandma you know do it for your neighbor you know protect other people you know and and obviously it captured the the a certain group it didn't it obviously there was a resistance on the other side but it, it captured a certain group that was very militant and willing to not see it like you said the apex or what, what's really behind it just just like those keywords, you know, and, and not inquire more. Um, and, and it was very good at creating um, compliance and, and without questioning, you know, and while people were feeling that they were doing the right thing out of virtue. And, you know, and, and so it, it is a powerful thing. I, again, I'm just, that's how I, I see this, you know, in, in a very real term, you know, that's what I saw happening. And, and it was confusing because, you know, again, people that I thought we share similar values, but then you know, they, they only went so far, right? And, and, and that's probably, you know, and it was kind of bizarre, right? But, but it shows the, the, the power of, you know, like I guess hurting, you know, people in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, and what else is implicit in that is that you can actually change the value. You can change the values of the individual by changing the values of the group by semantic association of a, of a term, which did does in terms of diction represent a particular value. But if you take that slogan and you sort of right double speak it out of context and you associate it with this larger group movement it can come to represent something else, right? I mean, I think that kind of maybe describes the phenomenon you're talking about because it's like, right, I thought we had the same values and you probably did, but the way this works is that what you what you understand is that value or your intuitions about that value get subsumed in its conflation with other rhetoric that has nothing to do with that value. And the reason you go along with it is because the larger group basically all the consensus is that yeah that value th that word means this value and you know whatever cognitive dissonance you might have is actually 
uh, you're actually drawn into it because in a lot of ways, uh, and this is sort of what he's getting at here is that, you know, our personal perceptions in many ways, like it or not, you know, often our sanity is judged by what other, are we doing what other people are doing around us, right? I mean, that that's one metric to see, like, you know, am I the only person that thinks this? Well, may, maybe it's just me, that type of phenomenon, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I did I ever, well, you want to go in a different direction, but I don't think I ever read that definition and I found, found the term, but go ahead. Yeah, but well, you might get back to that definition because, so first off, um, the thing that, okay, this guy Aquino is claiming, which is that the, the, the actual, the, the real war is a, is a mental and physical and, and, and men, is, a, is a mental war even prior to the physical war. And like the physical war is kind of the war of last response. If you're going to, if you're going to effectively fight a war, you have to engage it mentally first and foremost. And that's your greatest terrain of, of action. And then if you must, you'll resort to the more physical war. And that certainly resonates for me as a Marxist, as I think of a capitalist class and a working class, which we describe as, as in constant warfare. And the nature of that warfare within this country, and I think in all countries, for the most part, exists mostly as the mental war, as institutional warfare. And of course, they're willing to use prisons, they're willing to use troops, they're willing to use police, they're willing to use the state apparatus as an act of repression. But particularly in the most industrialized countries, the European Union, I would, I would say China, I would say United States, the, their first their first go-to is, is co-optation and, and getting the cooperation of the working class through this thing. But I, I think I want to go beyond this, this part because what I agree with is all the war, all the information we're getting, whether it be from a CNN or Fox or Democrat or Republican, that entire operation is, is a psyop. The whole operation, the whole thing, right? It's it's penetrated, it's it's under undergirded with with a deep lie, which is this is about controlling you. And the only reason for the for the for the flex of truth in it is to use it. The only reason it has any truth in it is to the, so that truth can be used to control you. Because if we're not trying to give you information, we're trying to move you. We're trying to control you and manipulate you with this entire operation in front of you from our schools, from our corporations, from our media, the whole thing. So that whole thing is a psyop. Cool. I think, but I still feel like most people, well, I think most people accept that. But then we get to this other area of psyop, which is now we have the people who are against the narrative, say in COVID, and then people go, well, that guy is a psyop. Desmond is a psyop. Uh, this Belgian Belgian uh, guy who was a critic, uh, the doctor who was a critic of some elements of the virus, of the way the vaccines were being put out. He's a PSYOP. Dr. Malone's a PSYOP. McCullough's a PSYOP. You know, those sorts of things. I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, but that's the one I want to talk about a little bit is are these figures and and how is that term being used? Is it not accurate because, oh yeah, that person's a PSYOP. What are we talking about there? And maybe that's where we get into unlimited hangout. Maybe that's when we get into something else. Limited. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just in case. It's all right. <laughs> Maybe that's when we get to limited hangout and um and controlled opposition. But to me, that's that's where most of us are spending our time throwing these terms around um and trying to and often they've been used to me as to, to get to get me to not listen to somebody. I should stop paying attention to them. I should 
not see them as a source of information. Um, and so I, I wonder if you can speak about that, the veracity of that, the value of it. I don't know. That's what I want to spend. That's kind of what I want to spend this episode talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me, so this will be, so this is actually a good segue for me to go back to that definition and then define the three types of propaganda that are used in psychological operations. All right, so th so this definition of psychological operations, PSYOP, that comes from, so the uh, military information support operations, which basically is a euphemism for PSYOP that they came up with in 2010, okay? And these definitions of PSYOP are from a field manual uh, prior to the change in language to what's called MISO, M-I-S-O, military information support operations. Uh, so psychological operations is defined as planned operations to convey selected information and indicators to foreign audiences to influence their emotions, motives, objective reasoning, and ultimately the behavior of foreign governments, organizations, groups, and individuals. The purpose of psychological operations is to induce or reinforce foreign attitudes and behavior favorable to the originator's objectives. Okay, so remember, the manual is geared towards, this is, you know, we're not going to do it to our own people, so supposedly, right? Okay, but I'm going to show you some more recent documents. Actually, they 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 were published around the time that this uh, that they changed this terminology to the to the MISO. Uh, but he talks about three different types of propaganda that are used in psychological operations. Okay, the first is called white propaganda. Then there's gray propaganda, and then there's black propaganda. Okay, um, and these terms actually, he's got a little footnote here and he says that once they changed all the doublespeak language in the MISO uh, documents that they changed uh, white propaganda to concurring or organizational propaganda, uh, gray propaganda to attribution slash delayed propaganda, and then the black propaganda is attribution slash non-attribution, okay, and those terms like even on even when I read to you the definitions of the old white, gray, and black, you'll you'll those terms are very confusing, and, and there's a reason why. But I, that language is going to pull is going to you're going to see it basically echoed in another document that I'm going to show you in a second. All right, so white propaganda is propaganda in which the source is openly and accurately stated. Gray propaganda is propaganda in which no source is stated. Okay, black propaganda is propaganda in which the source is deliberately and explicitly misrepresented. I would say that what you describe as like mainstream media, right, that tells you get your, you know, it's a constant Pfizer commercial, get your jab, you know, the virus is going to, you know, end humanity, all that type of stuff. That's, I would say that's basically white propaganda, right? I mean, like the, 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 the media is explicitly reporting what the the CDC or whatever government agency message there is, is being given to them. Okay. Uh, now I'm not saying that there's not, that there couldn't be gray or black propaganda that comes through mainstream media, but right. The phenomena you describe where, you know, sort of they are providing an official statement from the government and basically vouching for it. Uh, and, and that we all sort of recognize, you know, classically for, for at least, you know, certainly since the rise of alt media as basically at best, very, very little bit of useful information in there. Right. This is this is explicitly easily identifiable propaganda. Um, 
The black propaganda, propaganda in which the source is deliberately and explicitly misrepresented, I would say that that would be a particular flavor of certain alt-media operations. In other words, right, the, the alt-media is representing itself as something uh, that is exposing the PSYOP or is exposing the truth, but actually, right, either by omission or maybe, uh, you know, d deliberate disinformation, right? Um, they are, they're giving you certain information that sort of exposes and point and calls out the mainstream media, but they have other directives. And now, you know, some of them are, you know, could just be grifters or opportunists, just clickbaity, want to make money. But certainly there are definitely certain media operations in the alt sphere that I've, that are getting their directives right from probably intelligence, whether military or uh, or or just intelligence agencies outside of the, the Department of Defense. Okay, uh, the gray propaganda in which no source is stated. I would say that's something. I mean, it could be anything just from a from a rumor that somehow starts to get circulated. But I think a good example of that is ostensibly or is is something like QAnon. Right. I mean, so in other words, right. It's anonymous. I mean, it's Q. It's Q. Right. But who's Q? Nobody knows. Right. Vice just did a whole documentary like who is Q. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's plenty of theories out there. And, you know, um, you know, with, without without getting into the weeds in it, I mean, I imagine it's, you know, Q is not a single person. Right. I imagine it's it's an aggregate of all this stuff. And as a matter of fact, the guy who who commissioned Aquino to write this paper, Paul Vallely, he, he was involved in the in the white paper, okay? So he he collaborated on this. He's also a psychological operation. He's a, he was a big QAnon promoter, okay? So I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the whole QAnon thing, right, as a form of gray propaganda in which, right, we don't know who the source is, uh, is actually... This this operation gone gone live using uh, internet media, okay. And I'll show you. Um, there's something called interactive internet activity. Yeah, go ahead. Go Just ahead. to make something clear, when you use what we're talking about with the with the use of white propaganda and black propaganda and gray propaganda, is Aquino is saying that any that state institutions will use their, be all three layers or all three colors as a mechanism for overall social control. And that he's saying, we, we will operate at all these levels. And that is, going, and that is how uh, we will control people. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a whole section in there on like ethics, relative ethics, and that it's not about whether the information is true or false or ethical. It's only about does it achieve the objective. Yes, that, right? that makes complete sense to me. Otherwise, it's not a mind war. It's a, it's a mind suggestion. It's or it's a mind, uh, you know, whatever. But so I, I would agree with that. Like, one if one is fighting a mind war in the way that they're talking about, the truth doesn't matter. It's about whether they get the whether they would get this particular. It's about the outcome. Yeah, and he, the outcome, he, he, so he, he refers to these different phases. And basically, the, the objective is to create a, a state that's known as, uh, meaning, meaning a, a, 
social state, okay, socio-political state, it's known as the Aristos, and he, equiv he equiv uh, equivocates this with what he calls stabilization, right? In other words, in other words, the enemy combatants are now on board with with your end result, whatever that might be for a particular, uh, you know, war objective in a in a foreign nation. Okay, and um, I, th I find that I, I, it's interesting that he picks Aristos. This is the root for words like aristocracy. The Aristos means the best. Okay, and the concept of an aristocracy actually goes back to Plato's Republic, right? In which these enlightened philosopher kings will, will actually, part of it is they need to use what he calls a noble lie to basically trick people into all being part of this, you know, this, it's, just, it's effectively a collectivized hierarchy of a, basically a, uh, bronze, silver, gold caste system under these philosopher kings, which, you know, in our modern paradigm, we can call technocrats. Um, and I also find that interesting that, that he uses that. Like he refers to Plato quite a bit, but you know, as somebody uh, who you know was was at Levey's Church of Satan, creates his own temple of Set. Uh, you know, basically they're coming out of the, the Aleister Crowley uh, tradition, and that is rooted in Gnosticism, and Gnosticism is Neoplatonic. Okay, and so you know, it's 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 just I don't think he's choosing that word accidentally right i mean you know I, I think he's picking that uh for for a particular reason okay you know having lived outside of the u.s it's like you know like i i i, I often make this statement that you know we're one of the most propagandized countries in the world you know and it's because i'm not saying that this shit doesn't happen in other countries it's easy to see in other countries but you know, and it, it, it also brings me to uh, Franz Fanon, where he talks about, um, you know, like, in, like a economic north, you know, has mediators, you know, of confusers and people that you know uh, mediate the, the actions of the state, the will of the state. Whereas in, in in countries like Nicaragua, you know, like they have to use the brute force more directly, you know, because uh, and but again, it's a different level of compliance or participation in, in this system you know um it, 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 it's 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 done differently but it, it achieves a similar purpose you know compliance and, and it's just like so hard to see for a lot of people right like when, and, and that's what we point fingers at other countries and 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 you know and because we're unable to see that happening here constantly all the time every day and and that's why it's almost freeing when you're not seeing the news. That's why I understand a lot of people who are like, I don't want to, you know, I don't care about the news or I don't want to vote or I don't want to hear to this. Like, I understand, you know, uh, people more now. I used to judge them because I was in that system, you know, very, very entrenched into, you know, the liberal side of, 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 of you know, of these kind of games. Um, but it, it is um, it's just it's just insane. Like, you know, it. it uh, and it takes a lot of energy to to be plugged into this. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I mean, I think I've quoted uh, in in the past episode. I've got back here Edward Bernays' book titled "Propaganda," and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's pretty close. Which is basically says something like, "The attitudes and desires and appetites of the masses is not formed by their own perceptions. It's formed by what he literally." The, literally calls a secret government right and it's through propaganda whether corporate government or otherwise and he was part of something called the creel commission which is a committee on public information which was basically the first 
propaganda arm of, you know, pro-war propaganda, uh, uh, you know, machine, basically. Okay. And, and so, you know, there's a long military history to propaganda. And, you know, as you, as you know, you know, yeah, it's, 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 especially now we just, right. We just described one layer of propaganda, which is your mainstream media. Okay. Then we've got another layer of propaganda called your alt media. Okay. And then we've got a whole nother layer of propaganda in, you know, in something like a QAnon operation, right. Which is, you know, it operates through social media and alt media, but it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different operation or it's a, it's another facet entirely. Right. In other words, right. There was propaganda and alt media before there was QAnon. QAnon sort of creates this, uh, it's basically what's known as an augmented reality game, right? It comes out of the whole cicada three, three Oh one puzzles. Okay. Basically to cut to the chase, you take the puzzle out of the computer, you put it, in the real world. And so now the puzzle is, you know, Trump said something and the clock was at 10. And that means that the 10 refers to, and then you take that, you, you play that game and then you, you act it out through, you know, various rallies or whatever. Eventually you show up at uh, January 6th, not knowing that you're in the middle of a, a PSYOP LARP. Uh, and that's why you have, you know, I mean, yeah, there was people that were getting violent, but there was also people that were like, hey, you know, taking pictures of themselves because they're, right, they're basically transferring a puzzle game off the internet, and bringing it into the real world in a political situation with permanent consequences that basically enabled them to get, you know, their their domestic, their domestic terror law. So with all these layers of, right, I mean, you know, uh, in some ways, you know, like you said, I, 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 I had a friend, I visited an old friend last weekend and he said, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't follow it. I said, nor should you. <laughs> it's, it's better for your mental health to not do size and all the guys retired and stuff, you know, they've got, they've got a psyop for every flavor and every, everything you can think. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how you can, at some level, getting truthful information requires sifting through all of it right there is no there is no just like well this is my guy i can watch this guy or this is my trusted source or right there's you always have to what's you know the who what where when the primary source yeah go ahead. well now you're moving into something that if we want to go there because i don't think i agree with that like i agree with it's penetrated through and through i don't think i agree with that conclusion in terms of how you how we have to how we are going to deal with that but I do. I think that's the part I want to end this conversation on. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't want to jump ahead. Um, but um, okay. Let let me let me just let me show you an example of sort of how, how this operates. Okay. Um, all right. So this is a document that I found um, from Deputy Secretary of Defense. This is June eight, two thousand seven. Basically, what it what it documents is. This subject here, policy for Department of Defense, interactive internet activities. Okay. Um, and let me just. Well, read the purpose, man. The purpose just says it all. Yeah, there was a couple quotes in here that, that I wanted to get to. But let me just go ahead. So purpose says, interactive internet activities are an essential part of DOD's responsibilities. 
make it bigger so that people can actually probably read it. Uh, to provide information to the public, shape the security environment, and support military operations. <laughs> this policy provides authority and guidance for these activities. Okay, so that says definition. The policy defines interactive internet activities as the use of a system accessible via the internet, which allows for two-way communications, e.g. email, blogs, chat rooms, and internet bulletin boards in a timely, if not real-time basis, as opposed to a system in which information flows only one way, like the TV or the radio. Okay, so this is another, this is, this is a new phase in psyops that have been perpetrated through, you know, traditional broadcast media. All right, uh, and it says, here it goes. Scope, this policy applies to public affairs activities and to programs, products, and actions that shape emotions, motives, reasonings, and behaviors of selected foreign entities. Let me read to you again the definition of PSYOP from that field manual prior to the MISO document. It says, planned operations to convey selective information and indicators to foreign audience to influence their emotions, motives, objective reasoning, and ultimately the behavior of foreign governments, right? Same exact, basically the same phrasing, okay? In other words, what they're saying is that by dint of the common rhetoric that this interactive internet activities program is basically a psychological operation, okay? And here where it says the authority comes under geographic combatant commanders and commander U.S. Special Operations Command, okay, well, Aquino, he describes here that uh, PSYOPs, the PSYOP division is part of uh, special operations, okay? He breaks special operations into three categories. One is civilian affairs. Uh, the other one is psychological op Oh, and the other one is special forces, okay? And these were, and, and special forces, the way he describes it is basically you would go, those would be the people that would train some of the, you know, the, the indigenous or native peoples to basically team up with with the insurgents and to go against their government which in other words right in some ways it's it's goes in tandem with the psyop right the psyop part in terms of the foreign operation is basically you know using various forms of information and media to sort of garner that support but then the, the special forces uh um that they would go in and basically train them to once once they've been properly uh, adjusted in terms of their their beliefs. Okay. Now, one thing about this document is, uh, was not able to find it in a .gov website. Okay. Um, now you, you can't keyword search it. So in other words, if it is in a .gov, it's basically scanned as a JPEG, meaning, you know, I tried searching particular phrases out of it. I tried searching the code number. I tried, nothing pops up in a .gov. All right. So what I'm suggesting here is that not 100% verified in terms of the document, it's, it's legitimacy, okay? I found it um, by looking at a documentary, okay, uh, that was uh, was called the Shadowgate Documentary, okay? It was by made by Millie Weaver, who's an InfoWars reporter, okay? And ultimately, the, the guy that sort of blew the whistle on this, his name is Patrick Berge, okay? Uh, and he's got photos with all sorts of military folk. Sounds, seems, and sounds legit. Okay. Um, the documentary ultimately sort of spins the whole thing like, um, like this IIA interactive internet activities 
program is was basically all designed by the left to go after Trump. Although at one point in the documentary, they identify Cambridge Analytica as an IIA operation, which got Trump in office. Okay. In other words, it's, you know, they don't say it like this, but it's both. It's both ends. All right. And the goal is to, is to get what is, what is all, what, what is already, uh, where we already are divided in terms of politics, economics, and ideology to increasingly polarize that, but to direct both of those movements, right, to the same outcome in the end, okay? Um, and now to, to help verify this document, uh, I did find this, okay? Now this is on a .gov. This is, this is defense.gov. This is from the Defense Department. And in here, okay, oops, they use the, the phrase, okay? Uh, Interactive. Uh, the requested amount is for attributed interactive interactivities to counter violent extremist organizations, uh, support and recruitment of hostile and middle ground sites in East Africa and Northwest African regions. Okay, so in other words, it is a so so I can I can show you that it is it is a Department of Defense terminology and a program. Okay, so I would wager that this this here uh, is accurate. Um, and basically what the way this guy Bergie described it was that this is what they used uh, when he was over there in uh, either Iraq or Afghanistan. I can't remember which one it was. OK. Uh, and you could think of stuff like the Arab Spring, right, like using social media to sort of get these color revolutions. And now, right, what's going on in this country right now is that it's that operation. Right. They just brought it home. OK. And um, this is the smith munt Modernization Act, okay? And so in this, basically, this sort of authorized, for lack of a better term, right, psychological operations or propaganda against foreign entities, okay? It was issued in 48, okay? But the Modernization Act, which is, is it 2012? Yeah, 2011, 2012, this one authorized the use of Propaganda and psyops, <laughs> not on the. You, you, you gotta look at the language in it. All right, it's all circular. But basically, what it does is it allows them to to subject the domestic population to such operations. Okay, and so if I go see domestic, so it says uh, clarification on domestic distribution of program material. In general, no funds authorized to be appropriated to the Department of State or the Broadcasting Board of Government shall be used to influence the public opinion in the United States. Okay, It's saying you're not allowed to, to explicitly and directly and overtly do this to the domestic population. If you read down here in this next part, it says rule of construction. Nothing in this section shall be construed to prohibit the Department of State or the Broadcasting Board of Governors from engaging in any medium or form of communication, either directly or indirectly, because the United States domestic audience is or may be thereby exposed to program material or based on a presumption of such exposure. Such material may be made available within the United States and disseminated, when appropriate, 
Pursuant to Sections 502 and 1005 of the United States Information and Educational Exchange Act of 1984, except that nothing in this section may be construed to authorize the Department of State or the Broadcasting Board of Governors to disseminate within the United States any program material prepared for dissemination abroad or on uh, on or behalf before the effective date of the Smith Modernization Act. In other words, basically what that's saying is like, you can't actually draft up something that says we're going to target the American people. But if you're targeting a foreign audience and you do it through a channel in which Americans might be subjected to it, well, that's not that's okay because we didn't target you. And even though even if it has the same psyop effects on the American people, we're not responsible because we didn't do it on purpose. That's basically what that says. Okay, <laughs> but it authorizes the use basically of these IIA type activities. Not just foreign uh, against you know foreign powers, but against us uh, domestically. Okay, and yes, good. Well, I think that's kind of, that's great double speak. But I did want to make one thing, and I think I think I don't know if you would agree with this, Jake. So we'll see. Because again, I just I constantly look at these through my Marxist lens, which basically says that all imperial wars. Are, are predicated on the ability for its ruling class to make war on its own population. No, no capitalist state can make war abroad unless it first makes war on its own people and extracts surplus value, extracts the resources out of its own people to give it the basis to, to, to do a war abroad, to then expand itself even more externally. Because the reason I want to say that is I don't think you or I would believe that starting 2012, because of this month act that the that the US started on a psyop on the American people and in 1948 it wasn't doing it or if you go earlier to 1912 they weren't doing a psyop operations on the American people i would say these psyop operations have been a continuity of of the US ruling class in various levels of complexity and various levels of understanding and scientists and researchers like aquino may give voice to something that's been going on for maybe centuries, actually, or even even earlier than that. But I don't think any of us should, like, I don't think anybody here, the three of us, would say, well, they just recently figured out that this thing that they were using on foreign populations can be brought home. I would actually contend that they were always really understood as domestic population controllers that could best be justified through the way they were fighting the foreign wars. And that the foreign war is the, is the angle by which they can openly talk about it in some way in public, but even then they have to cover their ass and put those little things in there. And then even in that little 2012 document, have a contradiction that exposes that, well, if it turns out that some of our foreign propaganda also affects our domestic population, well, that's that's for, uh, you know, security, you know? So just to be clear on that is like, or at least for me, I'm, I feel that way, is at no point was the U.S. ruling class confused about who their enemy was. Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, honest, honestly, for me, this document itself feels like a psyop itself because it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's supposedly providing a legal framework, right, as, as to how to use this. And yes, there is a double speak in that. But again, just like Lipson is saying, I don't, none of us believe that the propaganda on the U.S. population started recently. And, and, but it, it provides the illusion of legality in operating within a framework. But I want to say something about why this something like this is pernicious, is there is an advancement in this. We, we know there is more censorship now than there was 10 years ago. So something like this 
does sort of operate as a side, but it also operates as an actual moving front of the war for them to say, we are taking territory now. We've t- we were back in this territory and now we are advancing into this city and to that city. So it isn't just something to kind of like, it, it represents an actual advancement on the front for them to say, we're coming, we're, we're coming into this city and we're taking it over. We're, we have future cities to take in, like if we think about it as a war. So I do see this document as threatening in, and also in the way that Kenny's saying, but I actually think it also, it's true about Kenny's saying, but I also think it represents an actual threat and advancement of their cause in, in pursuing this war. Right. I mean, okay, so we've already identified, right? I mean, going back to, you know, Bernays and the Creole Commission, uh, you know, propaganda, you know, being waged, you know, at the at the American people. Um, and, you know, then you've got stuff like Operation Mockingbird, right, which I believe was, let's say, around the 70s or something like that. Okay, so, I mean, there's plenty of examples of, right, you know, PSYOPs being... Uh, perpetrated against the American people, you know, prior to Aquino's mind war or the IIA program. Uh, what the IIA program does, as you sort of uh, suggest, is what it does do is uh, it, it's basically making it about as ex- as explicit and overt as possible, right? Whereas something like Operation Mockingbird, right, wasn't really like publicly known, you know, while it was operational, right? It, at least not right, you know, in the early phases, anyways. Okay, um, and so this sort of is, like you say, a little more pernicious because it's like we don't even have to hide it. You know, like we'll, we'll basically tell you we're going to do it to you. You know, and if you think about, okay, and your your argument about how basically in many ways foreign wars, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's reasons as far as ex- exploiting resources and territory and, and expansion, just on an imperial basis, there's, there's its own reason for having a foreign war. But at another level, it does create the boogeyman that enables you to right, curtail the civil rights in your own country and to crack down on, on your own people. And the impetus to this whole paradigm that we're in here now begins with 9-11, right? Which, you know... We, we, I think we all agree here was his, was his own psyop, right? We played the video of Building 7 in the background, the BBC woman. I forget which episode we were doing, but right, we played it. And she's saying that it fell in its footsteps and it's still behind her. Okay. <laughs> and it's just, that's the, to me, that's your best example of, right? Something's, the story you got is not the whole story. All right. And, uh, you know, what, what, what came out of that? Well, I mean, it was, well, these, you know, the, the, the scary Al Qaeda people, right. They're going to come over here at any moment. Uh, so we got to have this Patriot Act things, which enables us to spy on you. So this is the first step in this. Now recall that it's basically right around that time that LifeLog pops up, right. It was, was proposed. And LifeLog was basically, a it's ba- it was basically the government version of Facebook, okay? Um, and I can't remember if it was right before or right after, okay? I, I, I want to say it was shortly after, uh, but, but, I, but, you know, fact check that, okay? But it's, it's sometime between 2000 and 2002, all right? And basically everybody was creeped out, like, you a government program that has everything I do on it. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of creepy. I don't think that's a great idea. Right. So lo and behold, like, you know, as soon as that uh, project is, is squashed, you know, it's almost immediately Facebook pops up. 
All right. And so now you have basically, you know, the beginnings of the infrastructure. So you, so you have the legal impetus to spy on people. You hand out all the devices necessary to build the infrastructure to do so. Okay. And then now with the IIA and, and the algorithms that are, that are used to, for the behavioral advertising, which is what puts the people into the groups based on their mores and habits and other, you know, a priori associations. Uh, now you can basically sort of engineer the, the, the population. And so I would, I would, I would intuit that at that point, right. At that point from the, at the, at the point at which the Patriot Act and LifeLog slash Facebook are rolled out, that there was, there was already a, a growing sort of, you know, alt, alt media, the truth movement, whatever you want to call people that were right, had questions about 9-11 and where we were going as a country and where the, the police state uh, was going, how that was going to metastasize into basically where we're at now, that they, they, they knew that before they tried to roll this out there, that opposition would be there, right? As, as a matter of fact, right, it, it did pop up after the fact. So, so I would intuit that at that point, they basically were either building alt media operations or trying to rope in or buy off or otherwise recruit alt media operations that could be used as figureheads to galvanize large groups into these social media uh, psychological profiles in order to basically right take those take those those oppositional groups and play find find ways that they that you can coalesce them together but find ways that you can play them off each other okay and and in doing so basically you know what we have now is this this phenomenon of the great reset versus the great awakening right and so basically you have right both of these things right i mean represent the polarized nature of everything from you know uh, do you believe the election was taken? Do you believe, you know, the, the COVID is as, was as bad as they said it was? You know, these things basically turn into, uh, you know, these these uh, battles between the Proud Boys and BLM, which provides, right, this 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 civil war narrative where ultimately, if the great if the goal of the Great Reset is to bring in a technocracy and social credit and predictive analytics and pre-crime. Right. And then you're going to have something that's going to push against it. We'll call this the Great Awakening. Right. And you can sort of play those two things off each other. Right. Ultimately, if you can radicalize both sides to where, right, they're essentially have either a real civil war or an impending civil war, well, now you, you still have justification to roll out your social credit and your pre crime, regardless of whether there's another pandemic or a green new deal, right? Like, and so, and this is where, right, this whole idea of grouping people into these various PSYOP categories, right? The idea is that what you might call controlled opposition or the limited hangout, right? Is that's how it's controlled because, right? When you show up, you think you're just gonna stop the steal and guess what? Now they, now they brought the Patriot Act home, right? 20 years after the fact. So maybe, in a similar way, okay, now the Great Reset is the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, 
those George Soros, the United States had China, globalists, right? Um, the Great Awakening, I imagine then, is, uh, you know, unlimited hangout, <laughs> you and me. Uh, maybe it can extend into people. Some people might think it extends into DeSantos and even Trump sometimes, whatever, you know. Is that what we're talking about? Like the Great Awakening are the people who are fight or in opposition to the Great Reset, Fourth Industrial Revolution. Yeah, I, I would say that, I mean, you know, without, I mean, we, we have to use these categories and not to paint with too broad a brush, but I would say that Great Awakening is largely what you might consider the right of center opposition. It largely encompasses your MAGA people. It's, it's a phrase that was used by QAnon, okay? Um, uh, it's sort of, you know, this pseudo-evangelical Judeo-Christian uh, identity politics. Um, and, you know, you probably get swallowed up in there, you know, some white identity politics. Uh, and there's a new age flavor part of it as well. Like, remember the, who's the, the QAnon shaman guy? And in the Great Awakening, you know, to refer back to one of our uh, previous episodes, you know, that's a, that's a term that Barbara Marks covered and, and a lot of the new agers used, right? But it, it's basically... Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it gets used by, it's been used by Michael Flynn. Uh, Alex Jones has promoted it, okay? Um, but it's it's largely, yes, it's people that are against the Great Reset, but I would I would say that they largely align more towards right-of-center politics. But either way, one could say you're going to be shoved into one, ca we, we can shove anyone into, so Andy is going to be put on the Great, great, great Awakening side, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, see, then there's people like me and you that, right, like, we don't really fit in to any of the categories, but, right, in perception, okay, if you go to my website, right, I've been on way more right of center right. podcasts. You and know. it's, and it's yeah. the reason why when Randy and I go and, and, um, and we, we go to the farmer's market and we put up our against surveillance, against vax mandates. Why, even if I'm, I'm red through and through, I'm a leftist, or tradition at least, if one still wants to hold to that, the liberal and left people in that community fucking lose their minds and they can't, they think, they think we're Trump, basically, because we're the Great Awakening, you know, and, and that's, so that's, I think that's what you're describing, like the, the effort to control this thing is, is going to be used by essentially the divisions into these two big camps, but both these camps all have a source to the top. They're not actually separate. They unite somewhere at the top because the the information from both sides is being controlled by the top. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that, you know, sort of the, you know, on the other end of the spectrum is sort of, you know, uh, we'll just call them the lockdown left, right? The, the You know, sort of the hardcore woke types, Right. Like that, that, again, right, are also right. They are fighting for all types of societal reforms. Right. But how much of that actually is basically rhetoric that's also, you know, uh, touted by the World Economic Forum and these companies. Right. So and, and, and at the end of it. Right. I mean, at the, at the bottom line is right. The clash that they want is between those two halves of the country or really the planet. Right. Like so. So two groups of people. And, and I think this is largely the goal. Right. Is that, you know, regardless of what you 
believe about, you know, what is salvageable to the American Republic and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, it needs, their goal is to get rid of it. Okay, whether whether they ever whether whether the, the oligarchs ever believed in it or whether they, uh, you know, whether they, whether it was always just, you know, something that they used to sort of rhetorically manipulate or whether that actually was a bulwark against some of their, their power. I, I'm, I'm not making that argument. The point is that system has to move. That system has to be out of the way. We need a new system, the fourth industrial revolution, the technocracy. So, right, it's in they want to galvanize any group that wants a new system right whether it be you want to go back to the manga thing or sort of that this great awakening thing on the right is not traditional conservatism okay and then the whole you know the, this what we'll just call the the left movements right is not not you know classical liberalism like you know you're used to okay but what they both have in common is that they want they want to flip the system, right? And so if you can take that energy and direct it at the two halves of the country and have them fight instead of, right, have some sort of a civil reform or come together and have some civil reform that you can have, you can achieve both objectives, right? You can get rid of, you can get rid of the, you know, the old system uh, and, right, by, by means of having to quell the, 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 the civil war or whatever that they, they're trying to stir up, that becomes the just a further justification to bring in the new system, right? And so, you know, in a lot of ways, and this is why, you know, I, you, know, I think you had said something about how we, we solve it. I mean, like, I see, I, I see that well-meaning and well-intentioned desires for, for some form some type of reform on either end of the spectrum, right, is is being steered towards towards a conflict that's going to that's that's going to basically turn on everybody on either side, and it's basically going to be used to to clinch their their checkmate. Basically, I mean that is in a way like the sense that I do have. You know, like there is change. You know, like people want something to change. Uh, and but you know that energy is co-opted and you know um you know i i do tend to share that view you know in, in, in that you know in opening my eyes to listening to people of the right you know in 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 the concerns that they have you know and the concerns that people on the left have yeah the change is gonna come you know there's energy in 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 you know, like I, I don't, I personally don't think that energy can be created out of nowhere. <laughs> I think it's there. People, you know, feel a certain sense of something is wrong, but it will be, you know, there will be an attempt to be guided, you know, whether they can do it, you know, you know, they, we can, whether they, they can fully control it, you know, that's, that's a question that, uh, you know, that I have, but I, I do have that sense that there is energy on the ground. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> so I'm trying to be, uh, uh, you know, in the middle, I guess, or listen to everyone. And, you know, and, and that's what I hear. Yeah, I probably have more questions, more disagreements with what you're saying, Jake, in terms of the, some of the overall framing in this regard. Because I don't, I don't think this is about the U.S. Constitution. I still think this is about capitalism. And I don't think this is about an, a, a new system or even the capitalists revolutionizing and, and getting rid of capitalism, but 
but it but it's run into its own new crises and they have to make changes in it in order for it to get out of the existing crisis and they've they've had to do this with capitalism all along the way when it runs into problems and they've had they fought in my opinion they have fought wars over these things to resolve deep crises and and had to kill millions of people to to get through it sometimes and destroy billions of dollars worth of property and stuff because of these crises. So I still think this is the same system in operation, nothing new. And secondly, for all the talk they make of they're fomenting a civil war, I don't I think they I think the capitalists are definitely afraid of an actual civil war, something like I would say something like the Paris Commune, Russian Revolution that took place, um, a workers revolution, but in because they know that they're going to be separating wealth in, increasingly from workers and they're going to make their life miserable. It's the reason why Brandy was telling me that Target is now have essentially armed militias there now guarding their stuff where it used to be rent-a-cops. Now it's people in, in, it's almost like South America without the guns strapped over, you know, they're getting there because they recognize something is coming. So, I, but I, but I do see them and this is where I see Biden and Trump doing this brilliantly. Um, essentially taking the populist anger on both ends and directing directing that populist anger upwards, not the anger towards those, but the energy of that anger is going towards each side to say, you represent me versus you represent me, and while we'll fight each other here at the bottom. And to me, that's that really is a mechanism that the that the the fact that the Republicans and Democrats represent essentially the same group. It means that there's no fight at all. Like you're not fighting these two sides. You're literally taking the energy of your anger to support those sides and keep them in power. So in the name of what I look what to me looks like a very fake civil war, because there's no real opposition between the Republicans and Democrats in terms of if you look at the power base at the top, those two are not fighting each other. They are lockstep in a good cop, bad cop operation of controlling their own population, as well as how to project power, in my opinion, to, uh, Either fight China, Russia, and and control the glo the globe even more. Um, so, I don't. I see them as fomenting fake civil wars in order to get people to prop up their power, um, and and also in an effort to stop any real civil war from happening. Because I do believe they are worried about that. They and they've looked at enough history to know that if you if you make wealth inequality this much, eventually you will foment the kind of anger that's going to take us down. So how do we survive in that? And in fact, the fourth industrial revolution in terms of data collection, like that looks to me like they think they might have solved the problem of how do you control a population while expanding wealth inequality? Yeah, I don't think we're really disagreeing, though. I mean, I, as far as that goes, I mean, like, I, it's, you know, look, so right, this whole thing about the most recent thing with Trump, okay? Oh, you know, they raided his house. Now, okay, if if you're on the left, you know, or whatever, the Biden left, whatever you want to call it, right? Well, that proves that he, that he is, uh, you know, an insurrectionist and a criminal. If you're on the right, it goes, see, that proves that they are going after him. So and no matter what happens, everybody digs their, their feet in deeper. And they, in those, those, those silos that are created through what we described in mind war are, are solidified. And in other words, right? You know, Biden with his, you know, bright red stuff in the background. Okay. Right. So the narrative on TV is, you know, Trump and Biden. But operationally, it's to, it's ultimately, it's to associate people 
who, you know, who are MAGA or right of center, whatever, Great Awakening, Trump, so that they can, it doesn't have to be a legitimate, like, civil war. All they have to do is make the perception of it credible, right? I mean, like, you know, have another January 6th where you got a bunch of LARPers up here, a couple of provocateurs get violent, you know, and all these people that, you know, were basically living in a video game, uh, you get basically you get you get locked up but okay long term if we can use that to have pre-crime social credit we can just go ahead and pick people up we don't you know what i mean like we don't, now now there is no we stopped the civil war because you know we were we were monitoring everything on online through our iia that we basically actually stirred up uh, but since we started up, uh, we were we were able to stop it, and so therefore, you know, we can we can create, you know, what Aquino calls the aristos or stabilization by basically policing speech. Okay, I mean, it's 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 basically, you know, you want digital ID and social credit. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to go because uh, you know you need a vaccine? Do you want it to go through you know uh, carbon allotments? Do you want it to go because Russia's going to get us? Do you want it to go mm -hmm. because the MAGA people? I mean, these are all these are all different angles, but ultimately, uh, you know, in, in other words, it it's the same outcome, right? I mean, regardless of how real it is, the point is like like I just watched the other night, uh, last night, the so the Vice documentary on the Q and I. What they, they came up with a sequel to it. Well, basically has almost nothing to do with QAnon. It's all about how there's going to be a civil war, and you know this this church group here and the My Pillow guy over here, where they're all insurrection. So, in other words, you're stoking that idea, right? I mean, you hear it on mainstream media, you hear it in alt media, you hear a lot of people in alt media like, yeah, we got to, you know, we got to get ready. You got these, you know, uh, your psyop groups like Patriot Front and all this. Uh, I mean, there's. I can see not just that narrative being spun, but I see a lot of efforts to, you know, through through like what Enrique Tario, the Fed, you know what I mean? Like there's there's government plants in these movements. These these media operations are sort of creating the hype around it, and then the TV reinforces it. And so I I just I mean I I uh, I, hate, I hate to say it because I you know this is the last thing I want in any way shape or form, but I. I've seen that narrative gaining more traction, okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'll just, just as one more aside, you know I mean? Like, I know we, we disagree on, you know, the nature of the Constitution and all that, but what we can say is this. Look, before 2020, uh, demonstrably, we had we had some more rights that we ain't got now, all right? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And before 9-11, we did. So, I mean, there are, there, is, there are some things in that Bill of Rights, whether or not, you know, even though they weren't always you know, consistently upheld and stuff like the language at least enabled, you know, enabled some kind of a bulwark. So, you know, and again, and when you say, right, they, when I say they want to bring in a new system you and you're saying, well, it's, it's just late stage capitalism or it's the next phase. I don't, I mean, to me, it's semantic. I'm not disagreeing with that, but the point is it needs to mechanistically, it yeah. has to, it needs to be different. And some of the things in that constitution might have people going, Hey, don't I have, do I have rights? You know? And, and they're like, you know, those need to be out of the way. Cause the algorithm is going to determine your rights. Not, you know, not, not the bill of rights. So. And I want to say that I agree with that in the same way that we talked about how that 2012 
Munt backed represents a, a progressive, aggressive advancement of the of their cause. It's like we're gonna we're gonna actually put it in front of you that we're taking things away from you. So any degree to which they can put those things in place represents worse for us, better for them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, okay. And, and I think this is why it's a it's a mistake to get stuck in vaccine mandates and think that this is just about those little things, you know, like in in like medical freedom and you know, it's much much bigger than that. And I think that's the point we try to make on this show, you know, that it's 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 about humanity, you know, it's about. Uh, our humanity and, and so yeah no I agree you know there's it's the time for mon monsters you know, like uh, Gramsci said once you know and yeah so yeah I mean, couldn't agree more with you, both of you yeah and I think we didn't get to we're not going to get to well what do we do like what is a person to do with all this white propaganda gray propaganda and black propaganda how does one make sense when this is it penetrates all layers of information that, that we get. And I don't think you're saying that it all originates from that, but to know what is coming from directly the state and what is coming maybe indirectly and what is independent, that is a challenge. And so um, that's something I think we will have to pick up on the, on our next episode. Or okay. I'll check with Eduardo and Jessica. And, and I'll just say one more thing about that, though, which is that another layer to that is that because you have all three different forms of psyop propaganda then sort of and this leads into sort of what you're getting at as far as the solution or at least this has to be factored in is that one of the things that they want to happen as a result of overwhelming with all these different forms of propaganda is for you to not trust sources that that do have useful information whether or not they might be propagandizing intentionally or otherwise right in other words that it's not just to misinform you with the source, but it's to make it so that you won't look at certain sources and and dig for the primary information, right? To, to, to cause more division and more mistrust as a result. It just, isn't, just as a side effect, basically. Yeah, go ahead. Didn't the New York Times had some article related to uh, don't do your own research? <laughs> yeah, they, I, you know, I, I, what's funny is, you know, like NewsGuard and stuff like that, I think, uh, I, I read that the AFT was like promoting NewsGuard as like, you know, for trust. AFT, American Federation team. Well, gee, I guess I better stop teaching English 102 then because the whole class is about how to do your own research <laughs> and make up your own mind and make a cogent argument based on primary sources. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and you know, there's a lot of people I'm sure that, you know, that teach that class and classes like that that probably say, don't do your own research, you know. Right. <laughs> um, well, I think we, I feel like we need to have a part two on this. So I'll have to check with Eduardo. I mean, yeah, Eduardo and Jess, Jessica, and see if they're willing to carry on with us maybe next week to get into, okay, what do we do? Um, Jake, would you be able to come back next week if we, if we could do it? I should be able to. I don't see why not. Yeah. Okay. yeah we, we still need to define other things too, right? <laughs> like, uh, the other two words that you talked about. Well, limited hangout and oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't yeah, get yeah, too much yeah. into that, but uh, okay, we'll see. We'll, well see. Yeah. And I, and I should just mention real quick. I mean, just as sort of a window into maybe our next kind of discussion is and sort of an example of maybe what to do is I mentioned that Millie Weaver documentary where I got 
information about the IIA. But I do not agree with the conclusions made or the basically the Trumpian spin or some of the other things involved. In other words, like I think that's a good example of how to use any information, right? Is to what can you what can you source? All right. And then, you know, don't go with the broader, necessarily the broader context, right? Even a bad source can have some kernel of information that you can use, right? And so, anyways. And I was actually recently talking to my partner or people in general about like sticking through the people that make your skin fucking crawl, you know, like and listening to people you completely fucking disagree with. And, and you know, like you still learn something about that. You know, you, you have to listen to what they're trying to say, not what it provokes in you, you know. Right, right, right. And even if you know the source is, you know, dubious, you know, and you and you and you you know through your own primary documentary research, you know, if sort of like okay, yeah, they, at, at the best, this person does, is is mis, very misguided. Uh, it's still a good use. It's a good use of information just to see what that angle is pushing from that paradigm, because all these different perspectives, right, as Aquino discusses, come to an aggregate that is trying to push the larger collective unidirectionally. So it's another vector to be aware of to see how it how it how it's going to affect other, you know, other uh, other paradigms, other perspectives. Yeah. Well, you both cheated and tried to jump into the next episode. <laughs> I won't. I won't edit this because uh, I'm not going to say it's it a anymore. teaser for the next episode. <laughs> okay, you're right. Yes, that's how you yes. got to do that. So you at home think about what you think because we're going to have more to say about all this stuff, and we may end up maybe we will define more limited hangout and. Controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. We can maybe invite people to ask questions too, maybe for the next episode. Ah, yes. And if folks have, since I think we're going to try to do a part two, um, if people have questions for us or for Jake to, to chew on next time, which I think is going to be more like, what do we do in the in the face of this uh, stew of lies, half truths, and you know all sorts of just layers of deception, basically that we live in. Um, so please feel free to give us some questions that we can chew on for next week. Yeah, let's call it a day. Well, Jake, first of all, it's great to see you again. Great to have you back. Always a pleasure. Um, Kenny, of course, you're always here, so it's great. And um, we're, we're looking forward to Eduardo and Jessica coming back. Um, and let's, I think we're gonna be carrying on with this discussion uh, next week. Okay, that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel, Challenge the Mainstream Left. Post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog, what-s-left.webnote.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast on channels such as Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, or Telegram. Um, and uh, oh, if you like anything that you've seen here, uh, you please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of these nine platforms. Um, and um, I think that's it. There's some other stuff that I can never remember. Anyway, um, thanks again, Jake, for um, for being part of this episode. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Right on. Thanks so much. <laughs>